This is the Locked On Jets podcast for Monday, October 11th, 2021. I'm your host, John B. from gangreennation.com. Thank you so much for making this podcast your first listen each day. Today we are going to talk about the Jets' loss to the Atlanta Falcons yesterday in London, ahead here on the Locked On Jets podcast. You are Locked On Jets, your daily New York Jets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And if you were hoping to see the Jets build on their first victory of the season last weekend against Tennessee with a positive performance in London against the Falcons heading into the bye you did not get it. The final score of this game was 27-20 to as the Jets fall to 1-4 on the 2021 season. And the score was not really indicative of the extent to which the Falcons dominated this game. Atlanta really controlled the game from the outset. The first drive went 14 plays. The Falcons got a field goal. Now, they did get a break in the early going because the Jets got off the field on a third down play. Matt Ryan threw an incomplete pass. Quincy Williams generated pressure. He hit Ryan. He was flagged for roughing the passer. I thought it was a very shaky call. I don't see how that flag was thrown, and it extended the drive. Now, I do think sometimes an early play can change momentum, and you wonder, would the game have played out exactly the same if that play had gone differently? I do not think that roughing the passer penalty really impacted the game because We saw so many things that we've seen all season from the Jets following that point. And at the end of the day, the the Falcons only got a field goal on the opening drive. It was 3-0. The Jets, to some extent, limited the damage a bit, even though the officials kind of gifted the Falcons a field goal. But the offense comes out and goes 3-and-out. The Falcons get the ball right back. They go 10 plays, 92 yards. The Jets have them pinned at the 8-yard line. Falcons went 92 yards. Matt Ryan hit Kyle Pitts on a 2-yard touchdown against John Franklin Myers in coverage. John Franklin Myers against Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts, one of the most decorated tight end prospects in recent memory, ends up matched up one-on-one with John Franklin Myers. I was going through some of the internet reaction to that play yesterday, and there was one question all Jets fans had. How does John Franklin Myers end up one-on-one against Kyle Pitts? And I did something that I usually do not do. Usually I wait a day or two to review the film because we don't really get the All-22 coaches film until a day or two after the game. I went back last night and watched the broadcast film of that game again, or that play again, because I needed to see what happened, because I had the same question you did. How did John Franklin Myers end up one-on-one against Kyle Pitts? And what I figured out was that the Jets lined up incorrectly. On this play, Atlanta had an extra offensive lineman. They had six offensive linemen, and one of them's an eligible receiver. He got lined up against the linebacker whereas John Franklin Myers got lined up against Kyle Pitts. If John Franklin Myers is going to play coverage, you want him against an offensive lineman, because even though John Franklin Myers has no idea what he's doing in coverage, an offensive lineman has no idea what he's doing running routes, and you want a linebacker against Kyle Pitts. That's a fair fight, or at least a fairer fight than John Franklin Myers against him. So the Jets got lined up incorrectly, in case you were wondering what happened on that play, and it was a total mismatch as easy of a touchdown pass as Matt Ryan's ever going to get. So the Jets are down 10 nothing. They need to drive. And it, they don't get it. Another three and out. Atlanta goes down the field in eight plays, 77 yards. Another touchdown. It's 17 nothing. And 
it gets worse from that point because Zach Wilson goes out and throws an interception, a really ugly interception. Wilson now has at least one interception in all five games he's played so far. However, the Jets' defense finally makes a play. C.J. Mosley forces a fumble, and the Jets get a little momentum. They put together a 16-play drive that ends in a field goal to cut it to 17-3 to late in the second quarter. And the Jets are getting the ball back with the second-half kickoff. So Atlanta gets the ball back with around two minutes left in the half. If the Jets' defense gets a stop here, okay, it's 17-3. Jets get the ball early third quarter. Maybe the Jets can even do something late second quarter, cut cut into this lead a little bit more. But at the very worst, if the Jets' defense gets a stop, they get the ball back. They're down 17-3, a touchdown. They're right back in it. It's a one-score game. Then the pressure really moves to Atlanta. Unfortunately, the Jets' defense does not do its job. The Falcons get a field goal before the half, another 10-play drive. Twice the Jets' defense had a chance to get off the field on third down and failed to do so. So Atlanta went into the locker room with a 20-3 lead. The Jets did fight back, though. you got to give the Jets credit. That opening drive of the second half where they got the ball, they went down the field in seven plays, a very physical drive. In fact, six of the seven plays were runs. Only one one pass play in that sequence. It was a six-yard pass from Zach Wilson to Braxton Berrios. Jets got the run game working. They score a touchdown. Unfortunately, Matt Amendola misses the extra point. So it's 20 to 9. Then the Jets defense forces a punt. So Jets get the ball back. 20 to 9. Second half. Feels like they got a little momentum in the game. It's midway through the third quarter. However, the Jets go and don't do anything. They get one first down uh, on the first play, but then three quick plays and they have to punt. However, the Jets defense forces another fumble. This time. It was Quincy Williams as the Falcons are driving. Falcons are moving into Jets territory. They're actually moving into the red zone on the outside fringes of the red zone. Quincy Williams forces a fumble. Jets get it back. Can't do anything with it, though. Three and out, a drive that only gains negative one yards. However, the defense again stands tall, gives the Jets a chance. They force a punt. Jets get the ball back, and they move down the field. The key play a pass interference penalty that Elijah Moore draws. Michael Carter scores a touchdown. The Jets hit the two-point conversion. It is 20 to 17. Jets at one point, Jets heading into the second half were down 20 to 3. They've cut it to 20 to 17. Falcons get the ball back with a little under 7 minutes left. Jets defense has a chance to give them give the team a chance give the offense a shot to win the game. However, once again the defense unable to get the big stop. A nine-play touchdown drive for Atlanta, capped by a Mike Davis three-yard run to make it 27-20. to The Jets got it back. There was a little over two minutes left in the game, and the, the Jets, against the prevent defense, did get into field goal range. In fact, in the final minute of the game, the Jets were in the red zone, and they needed a touchdown and a field goal because they were down 10. It looked like they had a shot at the touchdown, but Zach Wilson takes a horrible sack, loses 17 yards. And Matt Amendola did hit a 49-yard field goal after that to cut it to seven because after the sack, it was third down in 27, and Robert Sala just decided to kick the field goal from there. There was no point in even trying to run an offensive play. You need a touchdown and a field goal, and on third and 27, the touchdown's unlikely. So they kick a field goal. Amendola hits a 49-yarder. I mean, it's amazing with Amendola because it seems like the longer kicks are easier for him than the shorter kicks. He missed the extra point earlier in the game and then goes out and makes a 49-yard field goal. However, the Jets failed to recover the onside kick. No surprise there. And even if they had recovered the onside kick, there's only 17 seconds left in the game. So you're talking about a Hail Mary situation 
and Atlanta was able to recover the onside kick and take the knee, and the Falcons have their second victory of the season, and they send the Jets into the bye with a 1-4 and four record. Even though the Jets lost, there was one good thing about this game. It was over before 1 o'clock Eastern time, so you had a full day of football ahead of you. You could watch multiple games at one time. Maybe you wanted to watch one game on your TV, one on your device, maybe you have a second TV. Well, I want to tell you about a way you can get your TV together the next time you're in this situation. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part is there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. Thank you again for making Locked On Jets your first listen each day. Today we are recapping a New York Jets defeat as they fell to the Atlanta Falcons 27-20 yesterday in London sending the team into its bye week with a 1-4 and four record. What went wrong for the Jets? So many things. And I'm going to begin with the defense. And we are going to talk about how bad the offense is in the early stages of these games. But the defense has to take a lot of grief because they were part of the reason the Jets were so far behind in this game. It's very easy to say that they're on the field nonstop because of how ineffective the offense is, especially in the first quarter. But you know what? It's not all on the offense. I could not help but think back to a famous saying that's attributed to one of our founding fathers, Ben Franklin. And I know that there's some controversy over whether he was the one who originated this phrase. So please do not email me about this. But the phrase is, God helps those who help themselves. And the Jets' defense did not help themselves yesterday. They needed to help themselves because they had just come off a week where they were on the field nonstop against the Tennessee Titans. They play, And it was an overtime game. They played a ton of snaps against Tennessee. And then you have a situation like this where you're traveling to London from New York. It's a long trip. I'm sure they were exhausted. They needed to get themselves off the field. Now, to be fair... They did have that pass, that uh, roughing the passer penalty on the first drive, which went against them, which I thought was a bad call. But at the end of the day, they began this game allowing a 14-play drive and a 10-play drive. And you cannot look back on that and tell me that they were exhausted because the offense wasn't generating anything on their end. This defense has to get off the field. God helps defenses that help themselves. The Jets did not help themselves in this game defensively. And here's the other thing about this defense. There were points in this game where a big stop could have really changed things. I mentioned one of them right before the end of the first half. The Jets' offense finally put together a drive. They got themselves on the board, 17-3. A stop there, very worst-case scenario. Jets are getting the ball second half, 17-3, and a touchdown gets them down, gets them within a score. And that's exactly what the Jets did on their first drive of the second half. They scored a touchdown. The problem was that Atlanta kicked a field goal. So instead of being down 17-3 heading to the locker room, you're down 20-3. If the Jets are down 17-3 in the locker room and they score that touchdown early in the second half, they have a ton of momentum. They're within a score. And you, you wonder if Atlanta starts getting nervous, if they start making mistakes, if the pressure begins to get to them. But Atlanta still had a cushion at that point. The other point where the defense could have gotten a big stop was after the Jets scored to cut it to 20-17. to 17. 
Again, Atlanta gets the ball back with just under seven minutes left. This is the point where you need a three and out. This is the point where defense needs to stand tall. They allow a third and eight conversion. They allow a third and two conversion, both through the air, both with the corners playing very soft coverage. Now, this is a conservative scheme. I understand that. You don't really have the corners who can play one-on-one. But that's a situation where you got to get aggressive. You cannot play too soft. You cannot just hand them a first down. This defense did not show up in this game. And I know you can look back on this. And they made some plays in the second half. I'll give them credit for the fumbles that they forced. But at the end of the day, this defense just was not good enough in this game. And you know something? You can say that they played too many snaps last weekend against Tennessee, and you're right. That shows you why they need to get off the field, why they need to take advantage of these, those opportunities. Bryce Hall dropped a pick six. Or I don't know if it dropped, he dropped a pick six, but there was a potential pick six that kind of went through his hands in this game. You got to take advantage of opportunities when they come. That's just all there is to it. This defense did not play well enough in this game yesterday, and I, I put blame on them. And they've been a pleasant surprise this season. I don't want to get on them too much because I think for the most part they've exceeded expectations, but not in this game. And I see all this blame going to them because the offense can't sustain a drive in the first Well, guess what? They're not tired in the first quarter. They have to make plays. And listen, playing bend but don't break, that's a perfectly valid approach, but they've taken it to such an extreme where it's like they can't even force a punt in the first quarter. Every single drive is ending in a field goal or at least a long, you know, a long time-consuming drive. It's not just about the offense. You got to get yourself off the field. The offense isn't the reason you can't get off the field on third down in this game. And we do have to mention the offense, though, because, and this may, maybe this is one of my projects for the bye week, and this is maybe the most obvious thing in the world. This offense is unbelievably bad in the first quarter of these games. And while they're not entirely to blame for all the time the defense is spending on the field, of course they have to take some of the blame here. Jets are averaging one first down per game in the first quarter. I mean, it, it's unbelievable how ineffective this offense is. They could not get anything going in the early stages of these games. And listen, I mean, it's not like they're great in the second, third, and fourth quarters, but they at least put together some drives. They at least score the ball occasionally. It's unbelievable. And I, I mean, I'm going to, this again, I, I hope I have the time to look through this because this might be the project. And you've just put your defense in a tough spot. And. I think this leads to what I was talking about in the fourth quarter. Maybe this defense is just too tired because, first of all, they don't get themselves off the field in the early stages, and the offense is making them stay on the field too long in the later stages of these games. You know, I think that there's going to be a lot of questioning about Mike LaFleur in this game. I'm not sure how fair that is. I mean, I'm sure there are things Mike LaFleur can be doing better, but I think a lot of the issues on offense, and I hate to say it, and I know people don't want to hear this, Zach Wilson doesn't look like he's ready to play in the NFL. He had that great game last week against Tennessee where he was making all these plays off-platform outside the structure of the play. And that's great. And listen, that's the kind of thing that can sustain you as you're learning how to read a defense. But, I mean, he's just totally inaccurate. He's inaccurate to the point where I'm wondering whether this groin injury that was reported on is maybe playing a bigger role with his mechanics, like messing him up mechanically than we, than we thought. Because... The throws were just so erratic. I mean, he was missing easy throw after easy throw. And even the balls that were catchable were off target. I mean, sometimes they were leading to drops. Sometimes they were forcing a receiver to kind of jump and not have any momentum to turn up the field. I'm hoping the bye week does Zach Wilson some good because he just doesn't look like he belongs out there right now. Aside from a few plays last week and a few moments in the game against Carolina week one, 
for the most part, it's been bad for Zach Wilson. He's looked like he's struggled against some pretty rudimentary concepts. He's not showing the accuracy we were expecting him out of BYU. And maybe it is the injury. And listen, at the end of the day, this is a Jets team where clearly the focus is on development over wins and losses. So maybe you can make an argument from that standpoint that Wilson should be playing and that the best thing for him is to learn by doing. And this will be the quickest way for him to improve things. But I think right now, if you look at the offense, I mean, listen, you can blame the offensive line, which is not playing. Although I don't think they were terrible yesterday. You can blame the receivers, but ultimately you can blame the coaches. But ultimately, I think what's happening with this offense is you just have a young quarterback in there who doesn't look like he's ready to play right. And I want to be clear here. I think you can say that without saying that Zach Wilson is in danger of being a bust at this point. I think you could say that without saying Zach Wilson was a terrible draft. I'm not saying that. I'm saying right now, he looks like he's having a really tough time out there. And that's one of the biggest things that's stalling the offense. It was a tough game yesterday, so maybe you should cheer yourself up by buying a Built Bar. Built Bar has nine delicious flavors. It's the best tasting protein bar ever. And if you have not yet tried all nine flavors, you can get a mixed box where you get two each of the nine flavors. And not only are these flavors the best tasting, but they're healthy too. So go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15. If you do that, you'll get 15% off your first order. Again, it's promo code LOCKED15. It's one word with no space. L-O-C-K-E-D, number one, number five, for 15% off at BuiltBar. B-U-I-L-T-B-A-R dot com. This is the Locked on Jets podcast, the day after the Jets lose to the Atlanta Falcons 27-20 in London. The Jets head into their bye week with a 1-4 and four record. I think you need to be very careful before you draw too many sweeping conclusions from this one game. This is a game unlike any other the Jets will play all season long. So the conclusions I'm going to take away from this game are things that I saw not only yesterday, but things that also occurred during the first five weeks of the season. So whether we're talking about the Jets playing bend but don't break defense to an extreme or the offense not generating anything in the first quarter of games. Those have been consistent themes, but I don't want to take away too much from any individual thing that happened in yesterday's game because going to London is kind of a unique experience in the NFL. And I wonder to some extent whether maybe this trip factored into the way the Jets played early in the game. There is kind of this phenomenon in the NFL. You see it among West Coast teams when they have to fly out to the East Coast and play early games. Sometimes their performance is kind of lackadaisical because they're playing at 10 a.m. their time. The 1 p.m. Eastern games are 10 a.m. Pacific games, and they've come off a long trip. Now, I don't think this is a very good excuse for the Jets because unlike those games where you're playing a team in their home stadium, the Atlanta Falcons had to do the exact same thing. They had to travel to London. They were playing a game at 9.30 according to their body clocks. So it's not much of an excuse if that's what happened. But I wonder whether that may have played a role in the way the Jets came out in this game a little bit. I also wonder whether this may have been a young team that perhaps got a little overconfident. You know, they had their first win of the season last week. Lots of positivity, which is not necessarily a bad thing, but lots of praise in the media. Maybe they listened a little bit too much to their own hype and did not come out and play that effectively. So, you know, 
you got to be careful. I remember two weeks ago, and this was two weeks ago after Denver, people were talking about the Jets going 0-17. People were saying the worst team in the NFL, there's nothing redeeming about this team. No way they're going to beat Tennessee. Heck, I did not think they would beat Tennessee. I was probably more optimistic about the future of the team than anybody, and I did not think they'd beat the Tennessee Titans. Then last week, the Jets go out and beat Tennessee, and everybody maybe gets a little overconfident, the team, the fans, the media, everybody. And maybe we expected a little bit too much this week. You can't take a team's temperature week to week too seriously. It's a long season. Now now I hear people saying, well, who's, who are the wins on our schedule? Well, you don't know who the wins on your schedule are going to be. Because after Denver, nobody thought the Jets would beat Tennessee. And I know the response to that's going to be, well, we didn't realize that Tennessee was going to be without A.J. Brown or Julio Jones. Well, that's true of the opponents ahead. You don't know whether an opponent may end up missing a key player. Listen, the Jets did not play well in this game. It was not a good performance. There were some redeeming aspects of it. Now, the team did not quit. Once again, it's kind of like week one against Carolina, and I'm not a big moral victories guy, but when you're dealing with a team this young, a team at the beginning of its build, you want to see some fight in them. And they did force those fumbles. They did put together a couple of drives to get themselves back into the game, even though they could not take full advantage. And I compare it to last year's team. I mean, last year's team, which frequently got itself into big deficits early, and that was the end. You know, they were on their way to a blowout loss, and the offense was never going to do anything in those games. That has not been the case this year so far, except for Denver. So you do see some degree of progress, and I don't think you can go away from this game feeling 100% negative. That said, it was a bad performance. Still, I don't want to take too much away from it because, again, it's only one game, and it's kind of a unique setting. And now we've reached what I prior to the start of the season thought would be a key point, the bye week, because this is going to be a chance for the Jets to really assess where things are. This gives the coaching staff an opportunity to see what's been working, what hasn't been working, and hopefully you'll see this young coaching staff adjust. I always think the bye week is really a key point at any season, and we forget that this is not just a young roster. It's also a young coaching staff, so we're going to get a chance to see what this coaching staff does in its first bye week. We're going to get to see how effective they are at fixing the problems with this team, adjusting what they're doing, adjusting their approach. And we're going to talk about that quite a bit in the days ahead, I think, over the next two weeks. But for the, for now, that's, that's our show for today. Thank you for listening. This has been the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this show, subscribe to it, and please leave it a five-star review. It helps the show out greatly. Hope you have a great Monday, everybody. We'll be back tomorrow to talk more Jets.